Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. You know, I had this real creative open plan for the show, but I botched it. So this is the 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 re, the, the retake of that. And uh, maybe we should have just left it in because it was pretty funny. But uh, thank thank goodness for uh, be not being live on the air. Uh, this is Longhorn Blitz with Horns Twenty Four Seven. I actually remember the name of the show that we're on. I am Jeff Howe. Uh, before we talk Texas football, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drama machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, thank you for your technical prowess, sir, and uh, saving us. I say this all the time, and I really mean it. And this week at the top of the show is proof. Once again, if this was Rod and I doing this podcast, the information would probably still be good, but the sound, the show quality would be god awful. It would be horrible, and it, we're not as good with stats as my man. It Rod would be the here. drizzling, you know what? If it was just me and Rod in <laughs> yeah. here, we'd be ranting buttons. and yelling and screaming and then dropping f bombs that didn't get dropped out of the broadcast. Yeah, the match the real MVP. Well, I appreciate, it, but it would be really great if Travis was here this week instead of last week because it would have been fun to have that on video too. <laughs> that it would. Uh, that it most certainly would. Uh, a man who uh, he does some video, he does TV, he does a little bit of everything because he is the Renaissance man at the Horn and the Renaissance man here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the Tiger CFL. Cats. When he was done right, with baby. football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. When he gets his T-ring in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, we've had intro, news brother. since last time we recorded, and I want to start there. We'll get to Lil Jordan Humphrey, okay. but I want to start there. And I had a story uh, up on the site of Horns 24-7 that kind of looks at this is be- this really being kind of the latest rebirth of DBU, if you will. It is. It's um, the, it, it reinvents itself. This is my theory, and I've actually stated it before. <clears throat> DBU reinvents itself along every kind of 10, 15 years or so, 10 to 15 years. It's a weird little cycle. So we had that run really like from the late 70s to the early 80s with Johnny Johnson and Jerry Gray. Boom, yeah. Which boom. I've always said, if you're going to rank Texas defensive backs, you go Johnny Johnson, Jerry Gray, one, two, doesn't matter. They're you can debate Rushmore. all day, but it's both on the Mount Rushmore. Right. Those the two. Jerry Curl era with Jerry <laughs> Gray and then Johnny Johnson, of course, you know, being, I mean, I, honestly, you could argue that Johnny Johnson is the greatest DB in the history of DBU. Like, I mean, that what's Johnny, three-time consensus All-American? <laughs> yeah. He's got Twice a unanimous All-American. On. Yeah. Won the equivalent back then of what was the Jim Thorpe Award. Yeah, it no was question. The, the Downtown Athletic Club gave, like, the Defense yeah. Back of the Year Award, and yeah. uh, he won that. You look at at, uh, yeah, keep, continue. Go, but go. then you had uh, you had the early '90s. You had the, that shocked the nation secondary with uh, Stanley Richard Stanley and Richards, Lance Gunn. Lance Gunn. 
Uh, you know, Bryant Westbrook was kind of in that era also. But then really, Rod, it was kind of Coach Akina comes in, and it's yourself and Amon yeah. Brooks and Nathan Vasher and Quentin Jammer. Uh, and it really that, takes Huff off Daddy again. and then Michael, uh, sorry, Michael Griffin and Cedric Griffin and hell, you go on and on. And then you had kind of that run where it's Kenny Vaccaro, Cornberry yeah. Diggs, Shockey Brown, Curtis yeah. Brown, Aaron Williams, and now. And, and, it, and it didn't really die off. No, even yeah. during you know the bad I mean? like, days. The DB, the Coach Akina, it didn't die off. It just, I guess you could argue, it wasn't producing, you know, uh, multiple first round draft picks. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and, I mean, because. Back to back drafts like it was in 05 and 06 right. at that point. Aaron but, Williams and, even, and Earl yeah. Thomas, and then it was Earl after Thomas. that yeah, so was, it was the like Adrian five or Phillips. Six year, and, you could argue the zenith of DBU, mm-hmm, the right. apex of it. I'm talking about the history of it was between oh three oh nine, yeah, like oh three oh nine around that area. Yeah, from so like oh four four oh five oh four or five oh nine. Each mm-hmm. of the last two years, I've asked a couple different guys. I asked Deshaun Elliott last year. Uh, and I asked P.J. Locke this year going into the season about DBU, and Deshaun Elliott said going into last year, we haven't earned the right to use those three letters. We don't use those three letters. Basically, his his assertion was, we will know when DBU is back. We won't have to talk about it. Uh, yeah. uh, P.J. Locke said before the year, he said, hey, Deshaun's year last year was great, but he said we've got to earn that. He said when the old heads say we can call ourselves DBU, then we're DBU. So on the field after the Sugar Bowl, the safeties and nickels are getting ready to take a team picture, and uh, I'm one of the reporters P.J. Locke is looking at when he says DBU is back, and I'm one of the reporters that fires back, are you sure this time, like for real? Yeah. And he says, so, yes, DBU is back. DBU is back. So, meaning it has it has now reinvented itself, and now now you the new face of it, the the, the fa- new faces of DBU. One of those faces, Rod, is a guy who decided to come back for a senior year, Brandon Jones. He got feedback from the draft advisory committee, said he was pleased with the feedback. I guess just needed that to make his decision. His decision is to come back to school for his senior year. Now you start looking at this Texas defense, you start looking at the secondary, and we've got a long way to go until spring ball and a hell of a long way to go until we get to camp uh, into the start of the season. By the way, August 31st, the season opener against Louisiana Tech. Which, file this away, speaking of defensive backs, Anthony Cook is going to be suspended for the first half of that game because of his targeting penalty yeah. in the second half against Georgia. So file that away in case, you know. You forget about it. You're like, oh, wh- mm-hmm. why is this guy blood? When I'm, when I'm writing in the spring about uh, Anthony Cook not starting, why is he not going to start? What's wrong with Anthony Cook? No, he's yeah. just suspended. It's fine. Uh, but, Rods, so we got a long time, but when you start looking at this defense, and the way it's going to be built, and Matt, uh, I'll bring you in here in a second to talk about some havoc rate numbers that show just how good Todd Orlando is at coming up with playmakers and, and really highlighting playmakers uh, in this defense. Rod, you start looking at the pieces, man. You've got Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns, arguably the top safety tandem in the Big 12, one of the top safety tandems in the country. Yeah. You've got a couple of dynamic, long-rangey, big physical safeties that you can move around with DeMarvion Overshone and B.J. Foster. you still got a guy, Chris Brown. Chris Brown would be a starter at a lot of places. He's just not at Texas because who's he going to beat out? Nobody that's in front of him. It's not his fault he's playing behind guys that are probably going to be high draft picks at some point. Yeah. Talk about the cornerbacks with Anthony Cook and Jalen Green, who, with all due respect to Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis, I think you might get a talent upgrade at the corner position 
with Cook and Green. You, you can't, you know, the experience of, the experience of Boyd and Davis is what it is, yeah, right? Of, yeah, the ceiling. And, and they've been through the battles in the Big 12, and there will be some growing pains with those two. But I think the ceiling, as you said, Rob, with those two is much higher. And then that nickel position, I mean, is it going to be Josh Thompson? Is it going to be Caden Stearns at times? Deshaun Jameson looks like he's moving back to defense this spring. So, again, Rod, I, I, I've kind of gotten to this point, so I'll get to it now. When you start looking at this defense in 2019, there's no question – it's going to be built off the secondary being the unquestioned strength of that group. Um, I mean, you could argue in the history of Texas football, the Texas defenses are always at their best when the strength is the secondary. I mean, you go look at the best defenses in the history of, uh, of Texas football, man, the secondaries are usually loaded. There's a first-round pick or two hanging back there. <laughs> yeah. like, you, I mean, you can go name, a, go name a defense, and I'd be like, all right, that secondary had – Two first round draft picks, another second or third round draft pick in that secondary. It's so I'm not. I mean, it's obviously a good defense. He's a lot of talent. But my, so I agree with your point. This year specifically, though, I think the ceiling is probably higher for this group of DBs. Is as high as you've seen with any group of young DBs in the history of DBU. Now that's a bold statement, but it's true. Mm-hmm. It, and if you're looking at you know Caden Stearns and Brandon Jones, we had a we had an interesting game in. Uh, Jeff played on the show the other day. Um, I did my research on DBU and looked at safety duos uh, in the history of DBU, and I said, you know, the the Caden Stearns-Brandon Jones safety duo will be the best safety duo in the history of Texas football since. Griffin Huff. That's what he said, too. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I said you got to throw out the Blake Giddy and Earl Thomas one for 08 and 09 because it was really, really good. Uh, yep. But the ceiling is higher for this one than it was for that one because uh, Blake Giddy ultimately wasn't drafted. But he did start more games than any of the player in history at DBU. That was the other but one I, I agree. Thinking. If you're looking at it, yeah, you're looking at two first-round draft picks in that 05 Michael Griffin-Michael Huff safety duo potentially with Brandon Jones if he plays really well. I think, he's, I think his ceiling is probably a second-round draft pick. Uh, but Caden Stern's ceiling, I think, is around Earl Thomas' first-round draft pick. The last time Texas had uh, a a safety duo that produced two first-round draft picks, 05, uh, the, the next highest draft drafted safety duo was, I think, Stanley Richard and Lance Gunn at a first- and a fourth-round draft pick. Yeah. yeah, and then, I mean, if you think about um, what yeah, could have I mean, been with Earl and Aaron Williams, because Aaron Williams did play sort of a nickel when he came in and wasn't a straight yeah. corner, but they both left early, so you never got to see that. And that then that's true. where yeah. that one, if you're talking about early groups that could be, this one could be compared to that one, because when they were freshmen, sophomore, you're like, yeah. oh, what could they be? But then they both Very leave true. early, so they don't and grow together the we, way 05 did. We haven't did. seen a fresh – we haven't seen a young DB, though, in – Man, in a long no, you're time right. at DBU, probably since Earl Thomas have this kind of ceiling as a young right. player. So, I, and because of his size, turns, he might have a bigger yeah, ceiling. He really pushes that. Pro- that's a good point. He really pushes that projection. I think the key, though, is the same key that made uh, Coach Akina's reinvention of DBU uh, so impactful, and it's going to be the versatility, maximizing the versatility, even yep. more so. Yep. And, and Jeff, you've talked about this, and I brought it up on the show. Love the fact that now you got the Chargers who are saying, you know what, we're going to play seven DBs mm. at times to Big match part. up with the speed and the spread and the versatility <coughs> of these offenses. And not, and, and they're not just doing it because, oh, they have to do it out of necessity. Yeah, they had linebacker depth issues, but they have been systematically drafting defensive yeah. backs with versatility 
versatility in their skill set. That's why they loved Adrian Phillips, who's undrafted. He's been on that roster for, what, six, seven years now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? like, undrafted in 2014. Yeah, because Coach Aquino told me when he was coming out, you know what, that guy's played every position in the secondary. He's the first player I've had at DBU that's ever done that. I think he's going to stick in the league. That's what Coach Aquino told he's, me. He's right passed yeah. it on to you guys and told 2018 you guys 2018 All-Pro and, this year. Yeah, and, first and team. And, you know what I mean, like he's one of those guys, and Derwin James, another guy they kind of drafted who has that same type of unique skill set. I think that's the future of the secondary. I think that's why guys like Quandre Diggs are, couldn't, can adapt and be undersized in the NFL but still play at a high level in today's NFL. I think that's the future. Uh, so, And I think for Texas, you got, you got you know, Caden Stearns. Uh, I think you got you know, B.J. Foster. You got DeMarvio on the show. You got a few guys that can do that. Even guys like Anthony Cook, I wouldn't relegate to just playing corner. He's got to play nickel, too. You go I back to the Kansas you know I mean? game with Anthony Cook. Remember late in the game where they he used him. He was playing him. the inside. Yeah, yeah, he almost used him played almost a like, a, like a Sam linebacker. Yeah, he played him like a dime you know, in, a, in a blitz yeah. package, yeah. You got to keep doing that. Just That's why Herb Hand basically deal with the offensive line that really did save the and reinvent the Texas offensive line this year. You got a few guys who have that. They have the expansive uh, skill set, and they can play. They're just really good football players. Use that. Don't waste that. Right. If you waste that, I'm telling you, you're going to pay the price for it. I think Texas did this year a little bit. They started moving Caden Stearns around, putting them more in the box, and that's when that Texas defense started to be able to ad- adjust and adapt a little bit better after that horrific run from West Virginia, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, um, and Texas Tech. So I think – if he's going to, if Todd Orlando is going to be able to maximize these guys, it's going to be cross training every player you have yeah. who has that ability. The depth of the secondary show really in the Sugar Bowl because all of that performance was done without Caden Stearns. No Caden Stearns wasn't on the field. Your best player. And, and, and I think it shows you like, oh no, Caden Stearns. Todd Orlando saying, all right, cool. I'll just use B.J. Foster. We get, we got another guy. We got a guy six two, right? two ten, yeah. two fifteen that yeah. can you know is probably one of the fastest guys on the field and I mean, loves I mean, to hit. Imagine if Demarvio and Overshone basically can become the like a true hybrid linebacker that can stay on the field for first and second down even if they want to try it out nickel or 40 personnel, but also be a guy that when you play dime, you can also leave in there as your as your dime defensive back. I mean, if he's able to do – if you're able to mold him into that, which I think that's what the vision is, yeah. you're talking about transforming that defense, man. Basically a, what you have with Jason Hall, but now you can extrapolate that over another three years. And a higher ceiling. Getting, yeah, you're getting yeah. him – you know, from from You're a true freshman, him. exactly, and yeah. you can mold him into whatever you want. But Matt, when we start looking at havoc rates and how Todd Orlando is going to use these guys, uh, I was kind of surprised. I guess I shouldn't have been, but I started looking at havoc rates. You know, last year Texas had the number one D, and we're using Football Outsiders, which mm-hmm. you know Matt turning me on to Football Outsiders and what they do with their statistical oh, man, breakdowns. Uh, that's to me, that's like a foodie finding a good taco truck. You go to that taco mm-hmm. truck every day for lunch. I go to Football Outsiders all the time, man. And uh, those nuggets, SB Nation, what they the do. Nuggets. You can find so much good stuff in there so looking back at last year and for those who don't know havoc rate havoc rate is defined by football outsiders as within a position group it's anytime a sack tackle for loss forced fumble or pass defense which is an interception or pbu splash play gets recorded play Yeah. yeah And Texas in 2017 with Deshaun Elliott doing most of the damage, Jason Hall late in the year, Rod, as you, we talked about just a minute ago, uh, in that lightning package mm-hmm. when he basically became your B-backer, uh, a guy that you could play in the box at 230 yeah. pounds and, and wasn't basically was an every-down dime back. Uh, you were number one in the country in Havoc rate. 
And, Matt, their havoc rate was almost right in line this year with where they were last year. Yeah, and last year they were number two in the nation when you look at the DB havoc rate. Oh, were they two last year? I they, 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 they finished one. at two. And, okay. I mean, for the DBs overall, uh, they still ranked up. And I remember it was just so drastic when we stumbled upon it that it was a 100th uh, from the D-line havoc rate last year. And then, two, and we were wondering, well, losing a lot of pieces on the back end with what you had last year, is it going to be similar? And you look at the numbers again this year, and they're quite similar. Texas was always inside that top 10 area for DB Havoc rate, and it just seems like something that that's manufactures the uh, production year in, year out by the system strictly because it keeps that unpredictability from the offense and not able to know where it's coming from, and then it puts in the speed conference your best athletes and speediest athletes the one in pursuit so when you're able to do it just systemically it's him identifying the pieces and then putting them there and it makes you feel really good about these young guys for the next couple years because this was them sort of filling the gaps for some veterans and they you didn't see much drop off this year at all if not you saw a little bit more of a weaponization of the dbs yeah it's it's no different we'll talk about the offense here in a minute with little jordan humphrey but i think you really saw todd orlando when you don't have a guy i mean Look, when you've got a guy's dynamic as Malik Jefferson and a guy that made as many plays as Deshaun Elliott, you don't need to really be all that exotic. You just kind of turn those guys loose and let them go. But I mm-hmm. think this year, to Matt's point, uh, Rod, you had to see Todd Orlando. And we saw him struggle with that mm-hmm. through the middle of the year when it's like, exactly. all right, yeah, you got to be a little more outside the box. you got to change it up. And we saw, as you said, late in the year, when you start moving Caden Stearns around a little bit, you're using B.J. Foster more. To me, the key in all this to me is DeMarvion Overshone because if you can get him basically as your dime back now, if you can ma- figure out a way to make him basically a sixth or seventh defensive back that you can leave on the field on every down, you're not sacrificing anything from a size and leverage standpoint because you've still got a guy at 230 pounds. Uh, that can be at every down safety. He can play in the yeah. box. He can do so many yeah. different things. And you saw this. And, and another example is you know when when Malcolm Roach was able to become healthy again. You know that's why I would say your your players often if you if you utilize their versatility they will they will almost make you a multiple defense because you but by the way you use them and you saw that with with Todd Orlando late in the season when Malcolm Rose came back right Malcolm Rose starts to play D tackle in passing situations then they start lining a who out wide all right in those same situations in that particular package um putting Caden Stearns down in the box more uh BJ Foster was a guy that he would blitz often because he seemed to have that you know he seemed to have that knack for being able to time a blitz really well and he's big enough and he's physical enough you can put him in the box and he can still defend the run so I I, I agree with you I think we saw Tara Lando almost evolve real time he almost got to the point where we were we were about to say, oh, here goes the Vance Befford, Manny Diaz, second year. Here he goes. It's happening. All right, he's about to go downhill, and he he really did. He started to kind of look at the pieces he had. He revamped everything, even revamped his practice strategy and said, all right, we're going to start tackling more in practice. It didn't really help their tackling in the game, <laughs> but I appreciate him making right. the adjustment. My point is I think he did become a more multiple uh, and a multidimensional defensive coordinator late in the season. And obviously the Georgia game is the pinnacle of that, right? We've never seen his defense more multiple than it was and him utilize more personnel and him have Malcolm Roach, he moved around a ton in that game and have, uh, you know, Charles Amino, who he moved around a ton in that game. He moved around a lot of different guys and put them in a lot of different spots. So I think that's going to be the key for him going forward. So I totally agree. You know, he is, he's got a couple of guys. I think Caden Stearns, Malcolm Roach, 
Trying to think of who else is in BJ Foster's in that role too. DeMarvion Overshone, of course. I think those are kind of the four guys. And you don't need a lot of them. You just need a few. PJ Locke was one of those guys. Don't forget that. He played safety and nickel for him early on last year, and then he got hurt last year. But they had so many guys last year. Antoine Davis, Jason Hall, um Sean Elliott. This, this Sean, no, 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 two years ago, sorry. Uh, yeah. the, the first year. Yeah. First for him. Uh he had well, well, Jason. I'm just talking about guys like he moved around. Antoine Davis, Malik Jason Jefferson. You can move Malik around. Yeah, that's true. We saw him do that with Gary Johnson at some later in the year. Really, the key saw him do it really with Hager. Hager was really kind of the first guy they really didn't know what Hager to do did, with. Yeah, him. That's and, a good point. Yeah. I forgot well, about even that. Malcolm Roach was on the D line moving around. Yeah, I think that's kind of be the key. Like he got way too stagnant uh, once he went into that lull against. Oklahoma State against uh, Tech and against West Virginia. I think they got too stagnant. You got to the point where you're always malleable as a defense. That's when Todd Orlando's defense, unpredictable, the master of the art of confusion, as Clay Helton called him, that's when he's at his best. Uh, let's switch gears and talk about the offense. Cause I, well, before we talk about the offense, we didn't talk much about Brandon Jones specifically. Right, and we're getting to you know this week we got the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl going on in California. Calvin Anderson and oh, Patrick right. Vahe yeah. playing in that. Got Chris Nelson and Andrew Beck in the East West Shrine game, and then starting next week you have Chris Boyd and Charles Amenahu down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So we're getting into draft time now, where you know some of these Texas guys are going to look to maybe get their name called in the draft or sign free agent contracts. Uh, they're going to be on uh, put on center stage. But Rod, you. You said a little bit ago you think Brandon Jones, that ceiling for him, probably a day two pick, second, yeah, second, third I round think he's type guy. he's a second round guy. I, I don't know if Brandon Jones is a guy that's going to go to the combine and run like some four, three at safety. He's got great film. He's got great instincts. I think second round is probably his ceiling. And that's not an insult to him or anything. I just, you know, I think the first round for is usually reserved for freaks, whether it be statistically or physically. And he's 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 athletic as hell, but I don't know if he's going to be in that freak category. Is it is has. it maybe just because you know I mean? he's he could he has a Deshaun Elliott year with where he is now? Hell, he could. But look at Deshaun Elliott's year. Where did he get him? Exactly. Well, but I think I think Brandon Jones would run and test better than Deshaun. Exactly. Elliott my point. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that one hundred percent. But I, if he, as I said, if he has a Deshaun Elliott year. He's a first round guy, right? But I don't know the chance of him having that kind of year. You know what I mean? Is it? it I, I mean, he's I, never even been selected to be on the All Big Twelve team, right? You know what I mean? I like, mean so he, he statistically, people aren't giving him enough love. But I think he can get there. Yeah. I think he does. Have, he I lean to there. you when it comes to NFL personnel matters yeah. in the draft because you talk to a lot more people in that world than I do. Is it with that stock and that ceiling that you have for him? Is that just because he's a safety? He's not really a guy that's going to be a nickel guy or a guy you could try a corner. He pretty much just is a safety. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where the future of the NFL is pretty much going. You know, what I mean, with Darwin James, you know, we talked about him. I think there. I think really, if you start looking at it, oh, uh, Jamal Adams, another mm-hmm. one of those guys in the NFL. I really do think like that's the future, and they're starting to figure out. All right, I want a guy that can that can move around, that can play multiple positions. Yeah, it's great if you can go, you know, lock somebody down. But even you're starting to see uh, the <laughs> Patriots move around Stephen uh, Stephen Gilmore. They're starting Stephon to move Gilmore, him around. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's how you get the most value out of your defensive backs, guys that I can I can put in different positions that can manufacture depth for me. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I even love that. Guys like uh, Darrell Rivas and Akib Tlaib, back in the day, they would move those guys around, put them in the slot, uh, and line them up and play man-to-man inside, outside. So I think mm-hmm. those are the guys that provide value for you. Brandon Jones, not that he's not great. You probably can put him at strong and free safety, and that's great. But I don't know if he's known as a, a safety that can cover. 
Right. And that's the main thing. No, Kenny Vaccaro made money. How did Kenny Vaccaro make his money? You remember? Covering Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin film. Tavon that film right there. NFL South was, well, hell, if he can cover Tavon Austin, he can cover any slot wide receiver in the league. He can play strong safety. He can play free safety. He's a 5-2 safety. He can come down the box. He can play uh, free, uh, the, the one single safety high. I can put him too deep. I can And I can put him down the slot and let him cover a wide receiver in the slot. He can do it all. First round. So along with the numbers, Brandon Jones could help his stock basically if he just shows some versatility. If he if, if he spins down in the point. nickel, if he spins he, down in the nickel and he's covering slot receivers in this league, then he's okay. Yeah, more often than not, basically if he ends up on a slot receiver, if we end up having to put him on the slot, you're not going to freak out. Or you know, I mean, listen, Earl Thomas, I think could have went down and covered slot receivers. He did not. Oh no question. A lot of the times, you know, what I mean, but if he he's would, put on the mismatch, if he could have, I mean, I'm sure there's film you can find him covering, but not a lot of the times. They, a lot of times they had him playing, you know, the the middle field guy and playing center field because they realized his elite quality was his range, mm-hmm. <laughs> that he could track yeah. almost anything. You know what I mean? And you wanted him You only need this one high safety. Yeah, you wanted him instinctually to be playing where he had some freedom to move around and be able to utilize that. So, you know, what I don't know what Brandon Jones's X-Man freakish ability is. Well, and the way that's me, like, what, what is it? I don't, know, I don't know. It was kind of his versus here. The kid was yeah. going to go down the slot and almost look like a, a slot DB. Jones is almost just like your Williams. normal safety you know? that can maybe Williams spin down. was also versatility. But now he only got him to the second round. He probably, Aaron Williams should have been a first rounder, actually. He should have. Yeah. He should have been. But uh, I think, yeah, the Cowboys probably should have drafted him in the first round. But I digress. He was his versatility. I think all of those DBs, you know, Michael Griffin was a guy that went to the league and played corner for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> safety, you know what I mean? Like that's that's what the NFL always I think they always value that. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Uh, listen, his ceiling is really, really high. Listen, I'm saying the guy's a second round pick and it sounds that's like an insanely insult. high for <laughs> safety. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These days because the safety Safety's market devalued. Can be devalued. Yeah, right. because just like the Great running point. back. And the main thing is, is when you're talking Carl, about as, as the honey badger. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about a player like this that's sort of your traditional safety. And basically the way that defense have been deduced to, well, your defense is only as good as your worst mismatch. It's the same thing with the NFL because you're NBA and NFL. You're trying to find the one mismatch on the field when you're moving these pieces around. And if you have a flaw, like say you are a safety who can't cover, they're going to try their best to be able to have it end up that you're going to have to take somebody on the backside of a play and you're going to have to cover either a running back or a tight end or somebody on that play or you're going to get burned. So your defense, if you have one guy that can't cover, just limits your upside and you're like, okay, well, we can't take this guy in the first round because he has to be able to do every single thing possible. If you're going to be that high of a talent, if you have one little deficiency, then you're still going to be a very good NFL player. It's just one that you aren't going to be valued above the rest, and those are the guys that drop down to be your second-tier prospects, which is what basically he would be. And yeah. if, you're, if you're looking, if you're a team looking for a pure safety, you're not going to look for one in free agency. You're going to look for one in the draft. You will. You know, as, as, yeah. and, and you I, want I, a low-round one, a cheap right. one, that exactly. then you can move, yeah. And, and I'm a Cowboys fan, so I follow the Cowboys, but when you look at this Cowboys secondary, safety's kind of where they have to go on the cheap now because they're they gonna have to they're gonna have to lock down Byron yeah. Jones, give him a new contract. So Brandon Jones drops in the draft, he, is, he can end up starting for a team, right? Whether and so with the Cowboys, whether it's some combination of Cheetah Bay Wouzier or Xavier Woods, whatever you're gonna do, just because you're having to pay one guy in this salary cap world we're in. Yeah, you got to go cheap somewhere. For the Cowboys, it's going to be a safety, and they're not the only franchise that, that's looking at it that Agreed. way. Agreed. I think you go look. Honestly, I, I bet if you've done a study of most of the safeties in the league, they would be late round draft picks. Yes. Probably, yeah. And you know what I mean? Like the starting safeties, like all of, most of them, would, I would say the, like a, I would say probably more, about 60% of them would be 
draft picks who were, what would you say, third round or later? I would, if I had to put a number I'd on probably, it, I'd, I'd put probably, over under at the two and a half, and you're going to go easily. On I'd it. say, yeah, I said probably third round or lower. But that's Just because what I think you're right. I think that's where you go try to find your values. Like, I can't find it at quarterback. I can't find it at offensive tackle and stuff like that. Like, on pass, pass rusher. I'm going to go find it at linebacker and safety. Where do we always see Pro Bowl running backs drafted? Third, fourth round? Yeah, wide receiver you probably can try to find. Yeah, you try to find the value where you can. Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason you saw Jamal Charles drop down the third round. Or, exactly like, you have right. top-end running backs. doing. I mean, Deontay Foreman was, like, one of the best college history. Second round. Third round and Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara went right around where he yeah. did. And if you want to talk about look the, at Damian, Look at C.J. Anderson and mm-hmm. was it Damian Williams? Hell, oh, you know how big yeah, of a glaring hole it is that Malcolm Brown's not there? Like, that's a yeah, big deal a to big the Rams. Well, you know, yeah, like, exactly. So good. that just Mar- shows Marlon Mack and the Colts. What, where was Marlon Mack picked? Oh, man. I oh, he was like, like a sixth round, I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, yeah, Fourth round. Fourth, Fourth round. round. So, yeah, Le'Veon Bell's argument right now is. I'm a wide just, receiver. It's just like deteriorating. Yeah. Well, no, but that's why he has his one good thing that's saying, no, I caught 90 plus balls. Pay me like a top end wide receiver. I'm a wide receiver. But the NFL saying I can no, draft, I can draft two of those guys and then supplement the yeah. the production of you. So, so we don't have to pay That's why as a Cowboys fan, that's a Cowboys fan, right. I look at this window they've got and I say, Bates, I think your window to win with the formula you've got, it's basically through Zeke's, Zeke Elliott's five-year deal. Exactly because right. if you were to take a running back in the top five, what are you going to do? I'm going to run him into the ground, and then after five years, let somebody else pay him if he wants a big exactly contract. Exactly right, yeah. And your offensive line, unfortunately, it deteriorated or way earlier than you thought. Yeah. Right. You know, and then you like, had to overpay your quarterback going already, you know, uh, so like that's yeah, where no, the issue is. It's a fatal flaw. Cowboys, but, I mean, the Cowboys two plays away from the in the uh, from playing the Packers in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Don't remind making, me. making Don't the remind NFC me. title Don't game. Me, right? yeah. And basically a drive away from the uh, in the Rams game of yeah. making the NFC right title there. game. I mean, they aren't far away. I'm not I know I sound like that that homer, but I, they're not that far away. I'm just saying, but you're right. It is a fragile formula. It is mm-hmm. hanging on by three. Because the last time you weren't this far away, you had Romo coming back with the yeah. young quarter, and then it was like, Hanging oh, well, now it's dead. Speaking but, of football in the Dallas area and the yeah. NFL draft <laughs> and everything that that entails, little Jordan Humphrey, he's a South Lake Carroll guy. Oh, Could Jay. he be a draft pick by the Cowboys? I don't Ooh, know. We'll Texans need him bad. Texans but need a slot receiver bad. He will be available to be selected in the 2019 NFL draft. He decides to go pro. Rod, we talked about this yeah, time and time again. I've talked about it on the site. I Congratulations. With, with LJ, I was in the same boat with him that I was with Deshaun Elliott. I think with the year you've had, it's going to be tough to replicate Come that. You've got to go cash that lottery ticket and see what it pays out. Yeah, what, what are you going to have? What, the, almost 80 catches? 86. 86 catches, so almost 90 Almost 1,200 catches. yards. Almost you know, 1,200 yards. Nine touchdowns. Nine touchdowns. Actually, I think if you include total touchdowns, it's like 11 because he had a rushing touchdown. He threw for a touchdown. Yep. You know, you're not going to match that production. You're not going to be able to replicate that production. And number two, when you come back, all the teams are going to key on you if you mm-hmm. come back. That's number two. That's why you're not going to replicate it, along with Keontae Ingram coming of age, Cade Brewer coming of age, Reese Latow coming of age, Colin Johnson, he needs to get some more love. Uh, and you've been talking about you know, Devin Duvernay having the quietest 40 Quietest 40 catch season we've seen around here right, in a long you know I mean? time. So I agree with you. You're not going to replicate that. And he's not a guy, like I said, the freaks in the first round. That's well, the reason they call him that, the freaks of the first round. He's not going to go to the combine and run a 4-3. It ain't going to happen. He's going to run a high 4-5, uh, oh, sorry, a, a high 4-4 four four to a mid 4-5. Four 
and he was always going to run that. And if he's not going to be able to beat the production that he had, you know, my right now is the time. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be one of those guys that he's going to make an NFL roster because he's such a unique, um, you know, what I mean, skill set, six four that man. gets out of breaks like that, running back trapped in a wide receiver's body. He's going to make an NFL. He a did, perfect modern. He been undrafted and made an NFL roster. Like I really do think his skill set is that unique. He'll get drafted in the third round somewhere around there you know what i mean and he'll get reps his rookie year there's no question about it and yeah. he'll end up making a roster in the way that we talk yeah. about you know you see the more and more prof- proliferation of the spread and less of a traditional run game and it's like you're talking about a run a running back in a receiver's body like yeah. literally that's now. what all you need is the screen game to manufacture that run so it's perfect for where the game's going and then you add on top of him being like all the things you just said is why you go plus you're never going to get this year of earning power back and you're 21 years old you can you could try to get it back on the back end 10 years down the road you never know if it's going to be there so get it now while you're going to have the demand to go. And just like you said, you aren't going to do any. Even if you do better, you probably won't get drafted higher. So there's no reward in doing so. I totally agree. Yeah, and he's he's at the point now where uh, he, I think he had 26 forced missed tackles or something this year. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. I, I, I think he in this wide receiver class, I haven't done the research to find out where he stacks up. But like I said, I think he's a – Not a third. deep year, not a deep year yeah, wide receiver. Yeah, exactly. So he could creep up people's boards. I think he's a third-round guy. But, him, if the Texans drafted him – Right fit. If the Texans drafted him this year, he would – he'd probably end up being their second leading receiver at the end of next year. Yeah. Like, think about, I mean, when you think about Kiki Kiki, and he's a piece hurt. that's rare. Will Fuller always gets hurt. They got some tight ends mixed in there. But other than DeAndre Hopkins, if if Lil Jordan Humphreys with the Texans right now, he'd be the second leading receiver. Well, and being <laughs> the <laughs> type of slot serious. receiver that he is, like, he's, I mean, you, we, we talked around. about how Larry Fitzgerald became one of the first big receivers that you would viewed as a possession guy that later in his career, because of the football IQ, spins down to be one of the most effective slot receivers. Now you're talking about a guy that actually embraces physicality on top of being young in that frame there isn't a six foot four with a six eight wingspan slot receiver in the nfl right now so if he can go up there and do that and the type of relationship that he has with like just modern offenses and what he's been around spread baby oh god one of these new offenses is going to snap him up as fast as possible you mentioned the cardinals man i'm thinking cliff kingsbury and you look larry fitzgerald getting to the end and you've already got guys there like ricky seals jones and when you Mm -hmm. can run that spread offense you want more bodies on the field Yeah. yeah there's going to be a spot for Lil Jordan Humphrey in the NFL. But as it relates to Texas, right, similar to what we talked about with the defense when we talked about Todd Orlando with these defensive backs and trying to maximize versatility and really having to really open up, pardon the the term I'm going to use, Really, how to open up your package a little bit to, and, and make <laughs> it make open it, up the back, make it more diverse, to where you can use these <laughs> weapons. As Matt said, you can weaponize what you've got much better once you really get outside the box. Uh, I think this is just going to force Tom Herman to really open up the pro spread a little bit more and show what this system can do because, as we talked about time and again, he really didn't have to in 2018. I mean, we go back to the Oklahoma game, the first one, Texas won. We talked about it, man. That route tree didn't have a lot of branches on it because you really didn't need it to. Yeah. Uh, and, and we saw, you know, the advantage you had with these two, you know, with Colin Johnson on one side, little Jordan Humphrey on the other, uh, and the fact that those guys were so good at winning 50-50 balls, I mean, you didn't have to be that diverse. You was just or let, accurate. Yeah, you just <laughs> let those guys go make plays and do what they do. But now we're really going to need to see what the slot position can do. We're really going to need to see, okay, you've got some intriguing guys on the roster right now, guys like Malcolm Epps and Brendan Eagles. 
You got Marcus Washington coming in, guys that can be matchup issues. Now within your system, can you can you manufacture matchup situations that are favorable to those guys to let them maximize their skill sets and kind of do what they do? So now I just think, like we talked about with the defense, I think the loss of Lil Jordan Humphrey is going to make Tom Herman and the staff have to open up things a little bit more. Yeah, I think the uh, obviously you can't replace Lil Jordan Humphrey's skill set because it's so unique. So you you must you'll just look different. I'm not saying you're actually going to be um be an offense that's less explosive or less dynamic, but it's definitely gonna be different because he was that much of an impact player. I mean look at that mm-hmm. Georgia game. He has what seven receptions on eight targets, all the receptions for first downs. And that's right with his <laughs> catch rate that, for the year was seventy two percent. That's very <laughs> right? good for the season. It's, it's amazing, right? Yeah. So and you got two guys, you had six six Colin Johnson on one side and 53% of the time you target him, mm-hmm. it results in a first down or a touchdown. And the other guy's catch rate is, what do you say, 74%? 72%. percent So, yeah, you just, as long as they get a little space and separation, you really don't have to be that accurate with the football. Number one, Sam Ellinger will be more, will be more challenged because yeah. he's just going to be more accurate with the football without a mm-hmm. little Jordan Humphrey who who is a master of creating space at 6'4", the way he works. It's almost like watching an NBA player, man, in the post, mm-hmm. like watching him in the slot because he, he he never really like tried to run away from guys. He would almost, his routes, it, they were very, very deliberate in how he wanted to create separation and on which side he wanted to have the defender almost like Charles Barkley getting a rebound it was re- using his body. Yeah, it was really, really fun to watch. So I think, number one, Sam Mellinger, and I think he will be more accurate with the football. He's just growing. We all agree he is ex- ex- excel- at an accelerated pace um, on, a, in a, on a trajectory that's got him in the rarefied era of being one of the best quarterbacks in recent history at Texas. Uh, but also, I think the offense is going to have two factors that set it apart. Number one, you'll be able to take the top off of any defense. With Colin Johnson number one on the outside, you know, you can just throw him the deep ball. So you know you better have safety help with him. You have Devin Duvernay and John Burt on the other side. I don't know how they're going to do that. All right. Not saying they'll both be out there at the same time, but that would be cool. All mm-hmm. right. You can put one in the slot, but you can you can suffocate them with speed, man. You can get all the way down the field and stretch that defense and take the top off of it. With that being said, the power running game with Keonta Ingram and Sam Ellinger, man, it should thrive with those two elements because they're unique to Texas. You have a quarterback that is Tebow-esque in the red zone, maybe the best red zone weapon in the country, and you have weapons that can take the top off the defense. If they want to bring the safeties down to stop the power running game with Keonta Ingram plus whatever running back you bring in and Sam Ellinger, then they're going to pay the deadly price of Colin Johnson 6-6 over the top, Devin DuVernay track star, and John Burt track star over the top. And if they decide they want to come up with a combination to be able to defend both of them, then that's great. Then that's when you can bring in your Jake Smith, your I don't know, Jordan Whittington's going to play that slot, that eight, that that spot that jo- uh, little Jordan Humphrey. I think he's going to get a long play. look at running back before it's said and done. Um, I think he should get a, a look at that <laughs> slot too. He I looks love like it. a he best clone both, to actually. fit yeah, that. He should play both. Um, and then the two tight ends who sh- who uh, I should have played more this year, but we haven't seen them. I think Tom Herman's been just keeping them. Like it, I think he's been keeping them secret, man. I think they're going to be a secret weapon. Cade Brew and Reese Latow working the intermediate part of the field for play action, and I think that's where, you know, the the offense is going to evolve after the two unique qualities set it apart, and teams start to adjust mm-hmm. to that. That's when you're going to see the slot wide receivers at H wide receiver at eight spot, and then those tight ends start to take over for Texas using play action, bootlegs, you know, and that kind of stuff. That, that that's why I think the offense is going to be next year in a nutshell.
it's pretty simple. Like you just base it on what your strengths are, and those are going to be the strengths of the offense. Yeah, and the idea of Sam, I mean, he's going to be the epicenter and the focus. And if you're going to be, you be able to use those just simple bootlegs, and it's all based off of you already have your read game, and then oh, the man. run pass screen off, game. In between. Yeah, it's should perfect. be great with the off tight the, ends. And that's too. What, if you have that off the backside, something you haven't really had throughout the last couple of years with the Tom Herman mm-hmm. offense at Texas would be huge. And then there was one to finish out the little Jordan Humphrey conversation. Uh, Juju. Smith-Schuster went 62nd overall, and he's 6'1". You say Lil Jordan's a little bit taller than yeah, him, six, so three. he's 6'3", 6'4". So there is a top end where you can, might be able to see him sneak a little bit higher in the in the draft. No, no, he could. I don't know the wide receiver crop this year. So no, I, exactly. Honestly, I, I just threw so the only first human. There. I couldn't think of a big slot. He could easily end up in the second round, too. I mean, I haven't yeah. done the research. I've seen, I've seen guys like Matt Miller at, at Bleach Report, who you guys know his, his opinion on the yeah, draft I like is Matt one Miller. I respect. Uh, I've seen Matt call it a, a bad receiver draft. This was before that's good. a that's lot good. of guys declared. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've heard him call it a bad receiver draft. Yeah, because if you see – and Lil' Jordan Humphrey, you see him. It's weird to say this. He's still got a young man's body. Oh, yeah, like, he hasn't filled out. He's not a grown man. His yet. lower half, definitely. Right? He's, he's like, lean. He, like, he looks like a track guy. He's still yeah, growing into his pants. like, oh, dude, you still got – you ain't got your grown man body and yet. I and I still won't – When re- you see him at the combine, they notice that. They all mm-hmm. when, they, when they see a man that got a grown man body, it's like, oh, he's a grown man. Okay, that, that dude from Alabama, like, oh, he's a grown man. He looks like he's got Look at the Giannis Antetokounmpo draft yeah. photo to now. Exactly. It's absurd. You go look at some of those guys, and they literally, like, oh, you've been Doing this with almost kind of an uh, a, you know a, a post adolescent body, good for you. All right, wait till we get you at the NFL level and you start to become a grown man. I think Lil Dread Humphrey's kind of one of those guys. You know, and he's I mean? a commodity he, that's not. Earl Thomas he's rare. is kind of like that. Go look at Earl Thomas now. When Earl Thomas, yeah. Earl Thomas was a, considered a little he safety petite. when he left. He was petite. You go look at him now. You're like, damn, Earl, what are you doing? He redshirted. <laughs> he was petite. So he looks. He's so. That's small. why it's so crazy that he's right so now. good. He's like he he's is. literally one of the like pound for pound. He's like the way Mike Tyson was the yeah. pound for pound like he's, best boxer ever. Like that's Earl Thomas pound for he's pound built best like a safety ever. Now like it's crazy. It's all muscle. You're right. But you are. So I think he's there too. Like, I don't see him. Like, I, don't look at Lou Jordan Humphrey's own. Randy Moss no was like that. There, really. yeah. he's, just, he's just out there in the, a post adolescent body doing it, post pubescent body doing it big. And, and, the and creep, literally, the creepy when you meat go, market that is the NFL combine. Yeah, when you can go into is, the yeah. NFL and literally be like, no, this is a rare commodity. There is no body type like this playing that position with yeah. this type of that, catch radius. You know who, know who likes kind of stuff like that? Sean Payton. Yeah. Very much. If I could see anybody looking at him going, and, and Bill Belichick likes it too, but I don't, the, the Patriots are in for like a, they, they're, gonna, they're kind of in for like a, a, a reinvention of their offense with Tom Brady and all that kind of stuff. But I think if you look at somebody who likes unicorns, mm-hmm. it's Sean Payton. Well, and then and knows how to use them. Yeah. Their best endorsement I've still seen all year. I think it was back during when he was making those crazy catches against Oklahoma State in West Virginia. I believe were the back-to-back weeks when he was on. You got mossed, and you just heard across yeah. the studio was Charles Woodson yeah. yelling, "That number eighty-four again!" Just like he can't <laughs> believe, like Which it's means, number eighty-four for Texas again. Which means it's and like Woodson and, Woodson and Moss yeah. are endorsing it. Like this him. is crazy. That's like, eighty-four, man. That eighty-four is cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back to back weeks. People talk about him, so they, you haven't have a name. You're yeah, just, 84. You're just 84? a number. Eighty-four Texas. Man, that boy's cold. <laughs> Tony Romo took offense to Gene Steratore just calling guys by numbers. Rob, we talk about week. the Saints. How do you watch a Saints game and watch Taysom Hill and not have flashbacks to Provo? <laughs> 
I do, man. Long, I do. You're a long night but on the sideline. It, makes, you feel it better. makes me feel better, exactly, because I know he wasn't just, you know, the the it white wasn't Vince Young. Diaz's face with right the, here on the Longhorn Blitz page. With the, exactly, with the, you know what I mean? The exactly. Mormon Tim with Tebow. With the knee brace on, running through the Texas defense, running away from yeah. our DBs. All right, Literally no, no, no. the most chaotic he time is, in Texas history. He's legit. And, and I, I had this idea years ago, and I thought Tim Tebow was going to be it. I had the idea for the Tim Tebow points. basically doing what Taysom Hill is doing with the Patriots. Remember the Patriots brought him on? And I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, watch out. He's basically going to become their two-point conversion weapon. You're talking about this weapon, with the Broncos. We did the special teams back weapon. then when well, you talked after, about after that. After he left the Broncos and everybody was like, he's not a starting quarterback. And I was like, he's still got a place. I figured that's what they turned him into, special teams contributor. Just do any damn thing. And the Patriots never really did it. And I don't know why it didn't work out. That's what Sean Payton's doing. That's what Taysom Hill is. He plays special teams. He plays He plays punt coverage, punt return, kick coverage, kickoff return. Uh, he runs the fake punts. They put him in as situational, like, red zone plays. It makes perfect sense to me. Like, I would turn, uh, you know, all great rushing quarterbacks should basically turn into two-point conversion hmm. weapons. And special if team I was, specialists. Yeah, I would just turn Your bow tray. <laughs> I would turn Tim Tebow into my two-point conversion weapon. I'd go for it 80% of the time, and I, he'd be my guy. Because I could basically turn him into what Sam Ellinger is. Mm-hmm. I'd run the quarterback yeah. power, or I'd run the jump pass, yep. or I'd run the option, or I'd run, you know what I mean? Like, it was, Tim Tebow in the red zone is a great quarterback. Yeah, yeah, because it's a red zone. Or he <laughs> can be your up back on a fake punt, or just block, because you have the body type to be a guy yeah, just like there as a special team. Taysom Hill is basically that. So Sean Payton is just, he's the best R&D coach in the NFL, research and development. He's admitted, I watch mm. all the best <laughs> offenses in college, I watch all the best offenses in the NFL, and I steal all their best plays. And he's admitted, that's what I do, and I got a team of guys that help me do it, and that's why they are, in my opinion, the best offense and the most innovative in the league. And he's also one of the best crazy persons ever. Did you hear the story about last year, how the season ended on the pass to Diggs, and they get their hearts ripped out because you think yeah. he won and not? He flew straight back to New Orleans, went straight to his office, and began began game planning for the Eagles that week as if they still were playing. And he did a whole game plan just because he couldn't do anything else. He couldn't detach. So he went there and game planned for a game that didn't exist. And that's he the did guy. the whole normal work week. And then there was no game, and he was depressed. There you go. <laughs> that, but that's the guy I want running And it came full team. circle because he played the team this year. And Amen. We, we talk about red zone weapons and, and play calling. I, thinking back to the season, I, I think my favorite play of the year of all the offensive snaps or whatever the two-point conversion snaps that this offense ran I still think it's the it's the, the red zone touchdown pass to Andrew Beck in the Oklahoma State game where for weeks you had been running the, the that 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 yes. uh Yes, the, the power. Like yeah, the, the, the power. Small quarterback. Uh, yeah, it's got. I don't know exactly what to call it. Yeah, it's like that quarterback power, power stretch. The power I stretch. Know, I don't yeah, know yeah, why yeah. I couldn't yeah. think of the name, but just yeah. keep me there. It's right. Like the power, the power sweep, but it's almost like yeah. quarterback sweep. It's yeah. a power stretch, and it's that power stretch action, and then at the last minute, you see Sam kind of pull up a little bit, and then just drop it over the top mm-hmm. of the back, who's wide open. And I'm like, yeah. oh man, when you start running stuff yeah. off of that, yeah, like now you're now you're. But it's exciting because like now you're starting to see this offense evolve a little bit. Exactly. Like you said, there were weeks where the offense really didn't have to evolve. It was chuck it up to 9 and 84 and let them go do their thing, and then you mix in a little run game with it. Uh, but now, again, I, I think if you're a Texas fan, you should be excited because now you've got a whole offseason of Tom Herman in the lab saying, okay, I've got these parts, these yep. four, five, six, or whatever parts to replace this one. How am I going to do it? in the most effective manner. We love the way that he maximizes uh, potential, right? I mean, we talked about the offensive identity crisis that Texas had. And, 
and how they have to address so many different issues. Well, I mean, in a matter of one season, off season and a season, he solved all those issues. Now they're they're all obviously getting better. He's continuing to you know uh, recruit talent to each position and improve them. But offensive line is no longer destitute. It is no longer bereft of talent. All right, Herb Hand did a great job with that group. The tight end position, Andrew Beck is basically a fullback slash H back that was a first team All Big Twelve. Tied in, which is you know still a fullback or whatever you know, which nobody expected. So he's maximized potential there, and even Lou Jordan Humphrey. Remember at the beginning of the year, there is dispute as to whether he's going to even play the slot. Mm-hmm. Remember they're like, ah, we don't really see him as our ideal slot. He's good there, but we don't really know if he should be there. And it was like, well. You should just put him there because he's good there. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then Sam Ellinger, of course, I think is the biggest example of that, maximizing talent. Look what he is in the red zone, best weapon in college football in the red zone, and look what he's done. So getting back to what your, your point is, that he's going to look at all these pieces and go, okay, these are my five pieces that I'm going to build the offensive identity around. I have total confidence he's going to be able to do that. And for Longhorn fans, fortunately enough for you, you're going to finally get a chance to see – the pro spread. I don't think we've actually got a chance to see the pro spread yet. I think he's no. been working with what he has out of necessity. Like, all right, this is what I got to do. You know what I mean? Life is an internal struggle about what we want and want to be uh, versus what we have and what we have to be. All right? And Tom Hearn's been working with what he has and what he has to be the, la- the, the last, you know, two years. Now I think the year three, now he's got, you know, some of it, a lot of his recruits in there working, guys that he's recruited um, that are part of, you know, his ideal pro spread. You're going to start seeing what the pro spread actually is supposed to look like. Last year, that honestly is not what the pro spread for Tom Herman had to look like. There were glimpses of it in the power spread, but I think you'll see more of it or at least a closer resemblance to it this season. And what we are right now on the Blitz is we are done for this show. Good show, guys. Man, that went back to us. It did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you can get this show anywhere you get your podcasts and always find our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.